Righty, 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 righty. Sarah. Blimey. Um, oh, You're raring I, to go. I'm raring to go. I've, I've actually want to say, <laughs> you know, the last podcast when we reviewed Sound of Metal and I gave it, what did I give it? I gave it nine and a half or nine. I can't remember nine or nine and a half. I know it wasn't a ten anyway. Can I bump changed, up? You've changed, I, you've changed can it. Can I bump up to a ten? <laughs> oh. Am I allowed to? How Am come? How come? Because I've just been thinking about it more. And although I haven't seen it a second time, it's been really bugging me that I didn't give it 10. And I had to write about it again. And I ended up giving it, I ended up giving it maximum rating. Okay. So, so you feel that you'll be going back on your word, that you'll be a, a kind of traitor to yourself if you gave it the nine or nine and a half that you originally gave it. Yeah, I want it to be 10. <laughs> can we, can, am I allowed to do that? Or am I not allowed to do yes. that? Yes. Yeah, I mean, if it was because only because it was recent, then I'm thinking maybe I can do that. Yeah, no, I think All that's right. fine. There's probably some that we've reviewed Ooh. a long time ago that I probably should have bumped up. Um, my higher score, probably, oh, maybe we probably Coco or something like that. I, I've got a lot of people giving me some some jip after Coco because I gave it such a low score. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We should have like a kind of a bumping up. Like which films have we seen that we now think should be bumped up or equally bumped down? I think there's a few I think I would bump up actually. What, Vertigo? <laughs> oh no. Anyway, you're not gonna bump Wonder that Woman? down. You're not gonna bump Vertigo <laughs> down any further. I don't know, maybe you would. What was the one we watched last week? <laughs> that was really low. Black, I gave it Black Bear. Oh Black Bear. I think I gave it a four. That was just so... <laughs> it was like an age ago that we reviewed that, to I be know. honest. <laughs> anyway, films for this week that we're reviewing. Yeah, well, it's Flatliners, which was obviously highly entertaining watching that one, and uh, Mitchell's <laughs> versus The Machine. The Machines. Now, I yes. haven't really seen any new movies. It's just been a busy time. So have you seen any new movies? Um, before, Yeah, before we go into that, yeah, so I've... And I can't remember whether I've mentioned this before, but I watched the second of the Divergent series. And I can't remember the name, whether it's Insurgent or Divergent. I think Insurgent's the last one. Insurgent, I think, is the last one, because I think I remember you. I think you told us last podcast that you'd watched the yeah. second one, which was right, okay. Divergent. Was it Divergent? Oh, it might have been Divergent, the second one. So what's the first one then? Something well, we just need to look this up now. Insurgent, Divergent, Allegiant, Allegiant. Well, hang on. Isn't Divergent the first one then? Okay, look, here we go. Yeah, Divergent's so the first one. Divergent, Insurgent. Insurgent. Is Allegiant. There you go. So we haven't watched Allegiant yet. Go and start this again. But I, don't, but I don't understand. We watched Insurgent, I know, and I know I've watched Allegiant. Is that the next one? Sorry. That's the third one, Allegiant. Yeah, we, I, I've watched it in, in the cinema, but I can't remember how, how on earth does it get from Insurgent to Allegiant because I think the main star is being... Does she get away? I can't remember. I don't know. I, this, oh. all, this is all lost on I think me. I've, I think I think I've had a bit of dementia or something <laughs> last week. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I can't remember anything. Um, anyway, we're, looking, we're going to watch that one tonight. The next one. The weird thing is, right, Third one. the first one's called Divergent, right? The full titles are Divergent. The title of the second one is the Divergent series, mm. colon, Insurgent. And the third title is just Allegiant. So why mm-hmm. why is they have why doesn't every single film start with the Divergent series and then the name of it? Why have they just done that for the? I second? don't 
I don't think at the time when they released it that they had that, but I have noticed on, watched it on Sky, they had the Divergent series written in front, and it did confuse me completely. Yeah. It'd be easy all... if just say put, look, Divergent 1, Divergent 2, and Divergent 3, <laughs> then it's fine. We get exactly. it. But that's not the only film you've seen, right? You've seen another one. No, no, I saw Oxygen last night, and four out of five stars in Empire. And it's a fairly good rating on, on IMDb as well. I just fancied watching it. When I switched it on on Netflix, it said in French language, as I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> but actually, it was dubbed into English. And it's got Melanie Laurent, who you may recognise from Inglorious Bastards. She was the main lead female character. Probably the only female character in Glorious Bastards. If you've watched Buried with Ryan Reynolds, it is very similar to that. However, much more techy. So if you like that, you'll like this film. I kind of felt claustrophobic watching it because she's trapped in this cryo chamber and she wakes up in this crying chamber and has no idea why she's there. Doesn't even know her name or any of her background or anything like that. So she works that out as she's in there and she's talking to this robot, this digital being that sort of helps her work out who she is and why she's there and et cetera, et cetera. It's an interesting watch, but I did feel a little bit claustrophobic just because it was just in that space. I can't remember whether I felt that when I watched Buried with Ryan Reynolds, where he's buried alive and he's got a phone with a mobile phone with him. And I think he makes a call or something, but uh, yeah, um, it's, it's a fairly good watch. Good tech. Just made me feel claustrophobic. That's all. Oh, they're horrible. So you haven't watched anything, did you say? No, I would normally have tried to watch maybe another Marvel film. Oh, you with, did not watch one with your son this weekend? <laughs> with the boy. No, because on Friday night we instead watched the mitchells versus the machine Mm. so probably not a bad idea to start with that in actual fact this was the second time i'd watched it because i watched it in the week so i thought it'd be quite interesting to see to what i suppose watch it more as a family film that's my very squeaky chair by the way in the background so this this is a family animation on netflix And it is primarily, well, it's a story about family, isn't it? But specifically the relationship between a father and daughter. So we have Katie Mitchell, who's this quirky teenager, aspiring filmmaker who has her own YouTube channel and she's always making movies. So you've got a younger brother who's obsessed with dinosaurs, who's highly amusing. And then you've got the parents got Rick who is a complete technophobe and basically has never really got behind or taken much interest in Katie's passion which is filmmaking and this is kind of causes a bit of friction which comes to a head when she gets accepted into a film school in California and the evening before she's due to leave and is all excited. There's an altercation at the table and Rick accidentally breaks her laptop. And... Yeah, that was shocking, actually. <laughs> I saw that. I, I like, know. Oh. And so Rick feels terrible and as a way of trying to mend things with her and her daughter and feels guilt over it, he decides that rather than take her to the airport the next day to take the flight to the film school, he's decided they're not going to fly, they're instead they're going to drive and they're going to go on a road trip and this is going to be his opportunity to bond with Katie and also bring all the family together, which obviously comes as a huge shock to her but reluctantly she agrees so meanwhile whilst all this is going on 
you've got this tech entrepreneur, a guy called Mark Bowman, who is about to go on stage and announce this new incredible AI robot, which is going to replace this AI called PAL, which basically everyone seems to have. I suppose it's like what Siri would be maybe in 20 years time. And he introduces these robots, he chucks his phone and therefore chucks Pal away as a way of saying, hey, you know, she's now obsolete. Look at these new amazing robots. This is the future. And then he does this in this massive, massive stadium-like presentation. Everyone's going wild. He makes some joke that, don't worry, they won't take over the world. And then obviously one of the robots on stage does go rogue. And it turns out that Pal, who has foreseen that this is going to happen has actually taken control of all of the robots and has decided to teach all the humans a lesson she's going to use these robots to find all of the humans and just fire them into space and so these robots that are shot up into the air like a whole army to track down all the humans you see them fire off into the sky out out of the back window of this car as this crazy family it's a bit like something out of national lampoons are going on their road trip and so that's the setting so on their first road stop of course they come face to face with these robots and this really starts this whole family getting together to figure out get over all their differences particularly rick and Katie, they manage to get help from two of these robots that defect and actually start to become their friends. And so together, their mission is to get the kill code to wipe out all of these computers and effectively defeat PAL. And in the midst of all of that, Rick and Katie, they're trying to find that bond before she goes off to film school. So that's pretty much it. And Pal was was also collecting all these people, weren't they, in these little pod pods? That's right. They had this way of collecting the humans where they just, yeah. it's almost like this kind of uh, jet-like hoover thing where they suck them up put them in this kind of pod you know and they've got this huge huge building with all these pods as they slowly get kind of passed up into space um i, I the first time i watched it i liked it i really liked really liked the style of the animation fantastic especially like obviously it was just so nice with the opening wasn't it it was a sony film but the way they had all these annotated drawings around the yeah. Sony logo at the beginning was really sweet. And the music was just really upbeat. It had this amazing, almost kind of hand-drawn look at times. And then uh-huh. there were other moments in it when you had the futuristic scenes with the bright neon colours that at times mm-hmm. reminded me a tiny bit of Into the Spider-Verse as well, which is obviously also a Sony movie. And so I liked the whole look of it. I liked the father-daughter relationship. I love the little boy, hilarious. They also had a little dog, which was very amusing. There was lots of great gags in there for the kids and I suppose for the adults, but not in a snarky, knowing way. It was just lots of funny stuff. I thought it was really clever the way they were making the point how kids are just completely lost in their screens these days and the way they would maybe intercut just YouTube memes. They weren't afraid to just do stuff which was a bit different to make that point. And there was one scene, wasn't there, when Katie was comparing her dad and the way he reacted in a certain situations to a really famous monkey meme on YouTube, which they just kept playing over and over and cutting back and back. It was just lots of really fun 
slightly inventive ways that it switched from comedy occasionally to to normal feature but i mean just 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 a good really kind of good theme and loads of amazing action in it i love the two <laughs> defected robots they were With really crayon drawn faces yeah 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 but i'll get on to what the kids thought because in some ways i thought that was probably more interesting so did you see this with your kids and what did you think my kids actually watched it about three times. So they watched it on their own. They watched part of it with me and then I watched it again with my husband and with the kids. So they actually they watched it about three times and they loved it each time. So it's a big thumbs up for, for them. And they were recommending it as well. And then I saw it on the Empire Film Magazine, five out of five. I think it was 7.8 on IMDb. Pretty good film ratings there. I just loved, as you mentioned, the, the animation was very colourful. It reminded me of Tom Gates's books, sort of some of that hand-drawn skin sketches and, and when they're thinking something a little squiggle will come up or almost almost swear words but not swear words if you, if you know what I mean so they had that sort of tongue-in-cheek sort of adult humor as well as kids humor and occasionally it was laugh out loud humor which was great a very dysfunctional family the, the Mitchells and I love Monchi the the pug apparently it's Doug the pug is a famous dog in America or something and it's well, Doug the pug played Monchi basically so they, they were trying to find somebody to play the dog as you do in most of the films that people play animals instead they had this dog making these sort of funny noises instead and it's just munchy would lick dad's face and then there were several different scenes where they just showed the affection of the dog to to dad and you know rick wasn't really impressed was he at all and i love the fact that she was constantly filmmaking even when they're out and about and she would mock up a film in on her phone just shows the apps that are available pal was very similar to amazon and google it was blatantly amazon at first because of the with that smile sort of logo style face and you know what could happen world domination in years to come you just don't know do you really and um, i love the fact that the, the pal leader was olivia coleman as well and i thought how has she been in the animations before she'd done a lot of thomas films and tv episodes as well so they get quite a few stars i think i mentioned another star that the other week that was doing thomas the tank engine and then she's also done the simpsons as well and yeah but I've, why is it what english people are always the evil evil people that's what i want to know in these, I know, these discuss animations yeah what i thought just it's not just animations it's just i know the, gen- often evil people. yeah 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 evil people and it was just a good laugh the kids loved it it was funny i found the only thing i found out of key was aaron's voice the son's voice and apparently it was played by michael reander who is the director and writer of the film so it sounded a bit odd having this young kid with a really deep voice and i didn't just say it my the rest of my family said it was a bit strange as well however probably because he wanted a part in the film he kept it in that's the only only bit that I found was was a bit unusual. I love the Furbies and the washing machines coming. To, it wasn't just these robots; it was everything that was anything that was on Wi-Fi or electronic would come to life. Basically, and this giant Furby in this mall that looked a bit like Stranger Things. I have to say, the mall. Oh, um, that's really interesting. You say that because mm. there's definitely a Stranger Things in the soundtrack at times as well. Because Noah pointed it out on a couple of occasions. It's like, oh yeah, they definitely have taken a yeah. bit out of that. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's it was funny and the other thing is is that you know got Mayor Rudolph as well she's done quite a lot of animations before like Big Hero 6 Turbo Nut Job Angry Birds as well she played the mum and she was probably one of the funniest ones I, I think in the film you got Danny McBride that played the dad and he was just sort of straight laced dad and I loved the size of him his massive chest but tiny little waist very stereotypical sort of American sort of dude and he just wanted to bond with his daughter really and then she was just having none of it and uh, um 
it was also hilarious when the aliens had invaded and they wanted to try and be invisible and camouflage, let's just say. And they transformed their car to look like the, the road markings and were driving down the road just to so that the, these robots wouldn't spot them. But it was, yeah, it's, it's a barrel of fun and the kids love it. So it's a big thumbs up for me. And they did apparently have an Easter egg at the end, which I didn't see. I did read up on this one. But one hour, 46 minutes and 38 seconds, you will find in the credits, there's a recipe of Mum's Linda's Face Cupcakes. That's so cool. When you said Easter egg, I thought... Oh, does she mean like for some kind of sequel? Oh, that is so cool that there's, yeah. there's actually something useful in there. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite funny. There's so much detail, the animation and everything that had a great plot. You know, I like a plot. It also had a real just heart about it. And I, and I think the animation style really let that shine, especially with the credits. The credits were done so well because they took the family photographs old family pics or present family pics of the actual cast and kind yes, of and kind of have the character names in animation with an arrow pointing mm. to the photo i mean it's even like you know, the one of olivia Colman was her, just her driving with a family in a car and i just thought that was so sweet it just seemed to perfectly fit almost the spirit yeah. of the film and from that point of view it's really difficult to fault my daughter gave it five out of five. And I don't know if there's anything to do with because it was a father-daughter storyline, but she was in tears. She was in tears. I know, but it was just teary because it was just such a sweet, tender ending, I suppose. And she said to me, it must have been good because it made me cry, which I think yeah. is probably the best way to look at it. It wasn't like bad tears. It was just like, well, that film's done its job. It's really, really affected me. So I think the children got more out of it than me, mm. but I would still give it eight and a half out of ten. Only eight and a half out of ten. <laughs> Only. I know you're gonna. I know you're gonna give it more. I am going to give it more because I think it deserves more. Okay, 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 okay. okay. <laughs> I'm, I've been toying with it, actually, when, since we've been talking about it as well. I'm not going to give it a 10, just simply because the, the lad's voice really bugged me. I'm going to give it a 9 and a half out of oh, 10. Oh, 9 and a half. When you, said, <laughs> when you said 9, I was like, well, that's only 0. 0.5. Oh, okay, and a half. All right. 9 and a half out of 10. And the reason for doing that is because they should have had a different voice for Aaron and it's got everything else I have to say it's it's brilliant and I'm sure I'd be quite happy to watch it again I'm sure my kids would be for a fourth time in like two weeks I'm sure wow. they'd love to watch it that's pretty amazing I suppose I thought they the whole family they played on the whole notion that it's good to be weird we're a bit of a crazy weird family but you should embrace that that's what makes us yeah. us so I put the kids voice down to the fact that they were just a bit of a weird family and he yeah. was just part of it but anyway great scores there. really good great scores, scores. really good watch yeah. really recommend it Whew. right right so now it's time to uh head back to the 90s isn't it the dark side wow that's my kind of batman impression but it didn't work you the can do batman side. better the dark side that's the one take me to the joker i <laughs> shut up i'll <laughs> Flatliners. Certificate 15. Joel Schumacher is director and you probably remember him from, we've discussed already, The Lost Boys, St. Elmo's Fire, Falling Down, Phone Booth 
and Dying Young as well. So it's quite a heap of great films there. And Peter Filardi is the writer. And it's kind of more of an adult Brat Pack, I would say. We've got Keith Sutherland, Kevin Bacon, Julia Roberts, William Baldwin and Oliver Platt. So it's about five medical students studying to be doctors. You see pretty much a lot of them dissecting dead human bodies in this grand sort of gothic-y it must be a hospital, but it's it's got a kind of English feel, but Italian gothicy kind of feel to it as well. And I think also reminds me a little bit of The Lost Boys, this film, because of that and some of the music as well. But there's a character called Nelson who's played by Keith Sutherland. He wants to study to see what it's like to die and then be brought back to life again. So each of them have a little competition how long they can stay the longest dead basically and most of them apart from randy who's oliver platt he doesn't go under but they basically all die for a short period and then their hearts they revive them and they discover when they are dying it's based on i think a report that was around available at that time that many people that do die do go down this tunnel to this white light and then they see somebody loved an old loved one for example but in this case they're actually seeing people they may have bullied or misunderstood as children and they need to then realize that they've got to rectify that before they can have an easier life going forwards because these characters keep tormenting them they bullied a child for example and one of the characters comes back and starts beating up Kiefer son nelson so that's basically the premise of it it's drama horror sci-fi and thriller on imdb very gothicy and stars are mentioned the location of the shooting is in chicago and i think it's in the museum of science and industry they call it a taff building but it's very grand but it's kind of dusty and grimy and you're thinking you wouldn't do any medical activities in that kind of environment it was very odd if you look on imdb also to my understanding they're learning to be doctors but julia roberts is the only one that has dr rachel manis as her name all the other characters don't have doctor in front of their names at all it's quite strange i thought anyway it's a story about atonement and forgiveness rob what are your thoughts i found it hard to make out a lot of the film because there was so much steam coming from like the streets <laughs> i don't think i've ever seen a film with so much steam coming off the boardwalks have you been to new york but yeah it's I'm, steamy. I'm sorry it's steamy i know it it's steamy. steamy but this was seriously steamy it was misty, misty yeah it was definitely darker than i thought Ooh. some of the scenes when they're in this flatline state seeing these pieces of their past and you can see why horror was included as part of the genre even though it's not a horror film there are elements in it so for example when the boy appears in nelson's imagination to be in the real world attacking him there were parts of that w- which were pretty freaky because he mm. was like a kid, a hoodie, who just looked like he'd turned sight. It's almost like something out of The Omen, you know, or, or like, you know, think mm. about Danny and The Shining. There was an element of that, which just made it way more interesting than I think I was expecting. The central idea of when you go under, that people see a wrong that they've done, or like you say, or something they've misunderstood, or something from their past that they need to atone for. And Mm. only once they have atoned for it, does it pass. 
I suppose it's part of them that they can then let go of and get on with their lives. And so, as you say, Nelson, who's the main character, Kiefer Sutherland, who's the one who instigates the whole thing, he's definitely the most obsessed by it. He's the one who wants to constantly go under for longer and longer. And it's quite clear that what he sees in his vision drives him almost to insanity uh, at some point, because clearly he's not expecting this boy to follow him back and appear in the real world. And, you know, there are scenes when you think he is actually being attacked by this kid and it's quite clever because he appears with scars on his face after these scenes and it's obviously only later do you realize that's because of the way he's fallen it's very clever because you start to think oh my god this kid can't be actually physically real that's strong yeah because that's, that's not strong. it's impossible um so that was quite clever I thought Nelson's story made sense bully the kid David's story played by Kevin Bacon again there's you know a bullying type theme as well that he's able to atone for Judy Roberts Rachel's story was slightly more interesting I suppose she'd seen something or she had blamed herself for her father's passing which she needed to somehow get over which made sense but I thought Joe's story was was hilarious (laughs) what a ball where it goes under Mm. and all he sees is this all of the affairs he's he's had with all these women I don't know I almost just found it comical that all of the other characters are quite a serious disturbing thing that they had to deal with on the whole (laughs) and then then you just had Joe who would just get these flashbacks or these visions Mm. of women coming up to him all the time yeah well I think Joe he got his comeuppance though didn't he really so at the end of it at the same time he was he was at university he was engaged to be married and he was sleeping around with lots of women taping them and yeah I'm not going to say any more but he got his comeuppance let's just say so I think that one was closure for what his he was seeing and he won't do it again so yeah, but he, uh, did, he did yeah. do it again because if you've seen sliver he's terrible <laughs> he did flatliners then backdraft and then sliver. so backdraft I liked him in backdraft I guess he's one of the more attractive of the Baldwin brothers, let's just say. And he and I, he had a purple patch during that period. In fact, they all were having a purple patch, really. really. Yes. Um, Roberts just done Pretty Woman just before, I think, this film came out. That's right. And they both came out in 1990, but Pretty Woman obviously got more acclaim. However, this did well at the box office because the director done St. Elmo's Fire and Lost Boys, which was a hit around that time as well, just before this film. And she obviously got on well with Joel Schumacher because he directed Dying Young. He says it wasn't a film really for him to direct, but I think she must have had a word with him and he got involved. And he's also directed 12 with Keith Sutherland in 2010 as well. They obviously got on well with him. Keith Sutherland was in The Lost Boys also and as Phone Booth and also Time to Kill. So actually there's five films that Joel Schumacher and, and Keith Sutherland did together. Some factoids for you. Val Kilmer was going to be Nelson, Keith Sutherland's role, but turned it down. And then uh, Nicole Kidman was going to be up for uh, Julia Roberts's role as well. I can't actually imagine them being, mind you, if they were in it, but we'd probably just, we would just accept it. But I can't actually imagine them doing those roles, to be honest. And the oldest person, who's the oldest out of that brat pack, do you think? I guess it's Kevin Bacon. It is Kevin Bacon. He's about 10 years older than some of the really? others. So. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe not quite that much, but he was much older than the others. Yeah. And Billy Baldwin, uh, William Baldwin, was one of the second eldest I was surprised by. So Keitha Sutherland and Julia Roberts were the, the younger two, really. Oh. And they started dating on the, on the film as well. One thing I really liked about it was the look of it. I did think there were many scenes in this 
that looked really well shot. And it reminded me often of some of the brainy scenes you see in Blade Runner. Okay. And, and the whole gothic feel with all the gods you see in the, the statues in the hospital. You know, that final shot which showed all the statues was, I think, this whole idea of you shouldn't mess with death. I thought, even though I was watching it thinking, where are they? Like that, mm. There were times when they would just be walking along these streets. They would wander into grocery stores and just start drinking stuff. And there wasn't even anyone in there. It almost had a strange, I don't know, like lost world or some post-apocalyptic world. Mm. I mean, they, they weren't, but occasionally it had that feel about it. And because it was so dark, I actually really liked that. And it was interesting to see that it did have an Oscar nomination for best effects and best sound editing, which I think given how old the film is and when you watch that now and you can still appreciate it, even watching it now, I think that's probably not surprising. It was just a complete treat to see. I mean, I mean you can arguably say that the Brat Pack, I mean, yeah. I've seen that, you know, in terms of being actors of their age in their pomp and not long, I suppose, after the Breakfast Clubs and Elmo's Far period, you could, I suppose, say they were Brat packish but there was a huge joy in just watching them let's face it there's quite a lot of overacting in this but it was enjoyable overacting because of who they all were did you find because they're whether they're stereotyping because they're doctors that they're a little bit cocky as well maybe when they're drinking from the carton in the in the shop that was kind of a i can do whatever i like scenario maybe yeah and that's Um, what they were doing they were doing something that you (laughs) it's highly illegal and they could have died well they did die but could have stayed dead it's quite a cool concept it did make you think wow don't do it rob don't do it (laughs) But if you think of all the people who have these experiences, right, and are able to talk about it, I mean, obviously, it's a tiny percentage of the people who actually just die. And, and you know what I mean? You don't get a chance to talk to them. So it is a fascinating subject on the basis that it's been reported that people who have these near-death experiences yeah. and survive, there's potentially a commonality in what happens. It does kind of make you think, wow. I think on occasions I, I did wonder whether they were in hell, they were going to hell, or they come back and they're in hell, for example, is what we're living right now, hell. Because what they were doing is something that was was wrong that they saw in from their past but they came back and were tormented and i did wonder that and but also they didn't glamorize what they were doing i think if they had, had seen someone loved one that you'll get probably people copying outside of the film so i i have to say i, I think it's good that they didn't glamorize the fact that these people died saw something was unpleasant and that something happened that was unpleasant and then they had to have some sort of forgiveness before they can continue if they make it all lovely and oh yeah i want to go to that land and and then come back you'd get them going back again wouldn't you yeah no true and that's why it's so interesting but it'd be a bit depressing if that's what happens like when you die subconsciously there are things that have happened in your past that you almost put on a shelf you see them because they're things that you need to resolve before you pass Mm. on it's quite yeah. a strange idea that there may be things that you're not even aware of, but they're little things yeah. that you just go through in life and forget about them, yeah. but they're still lingering. And maybe that's the idea that that's what you might see. I mean, I'd be getting into a very uh, deep conversation <laughs> here. <laughs> so what, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm not suggesting I've got those no. things either that, that you know, knocks away. I don't know. I don't know. I see that halo on your. Do you? 
I'm yeah. glad you said. <laughs> now, um, I'd love to get your score. Oh, yeah, score. I really enjoyed it way more than I thought. And Was I, that yeah. the first time you watched it, though? No, I, see, I mean, the, I saw it when it first came out. Yeah. I reckon probably on a VHS. Yeah, rental, I think so. No yeah, I would have been young to watch it at the cinema, I think. Julia Roberts looks amazing. It's like she just walks off the Pretty Woman set straight onto this set, which she is probably, probably, exactly, did. probably yeah. exactly what she did. She just looked like she looked in Pretty Woman. I'm going to give it seven and a half. It was just enjoyable, but it was so overacted. I couldn't mm. give it more but there was bits of it that were interesting. Too much steam for my liking. And Billy Baldwin's character was just made, <laughs> sadly just made me laugh. Every every time he had a vision, I, I just laughed. That was the problem. <laughs> I'm going to give it the same score. I mean, I loved it when I first saw it and I hadn't, haven't watched it since, actually. It's a long, long time ago. And actually, Lost Boys and I think St. Elmo's Fire on my list. I obviously was a Joel Schumacher fan back in the day. And I, I do like watching them, but yeah, I'm going to give seven and a half and didn't quite live up to my what I remember when I was younger so there you go yeah I'm already feeling guilty now about Mitchell's versus the machines I only gave it a oh no no I've made you feel bad oh I no know. I'm sorry I've got a heart oh stick with it stick with it so That'll be next week <laughs> you'll be saying be next week. I, I'm going to give it a 10 I'd like to revise so me, this will be me every week. Which I attach your fan. Maybe from now on, right? If if you feel like you've made a genuine mistake, then maybe Sounds you like can flatliners. Exactly. You can atone for your sin in the very next episode, <laughs> but you have to do it straight away. So I've atoned for my sin of not giving Sound of Metal the worthy maximum score I should have given it. I've atoned for that straight away. So I think that's allowed. You can do it on the, the next show. Do you think if you were Nelson, yeah. you would see the Mitchells and the Machines? Totally. If you they'll did. be beating you out, the robots yeah, yeah. would come alive and when I you mean, come back to life. Exactly. If, if suddenly I was with, you know, Nelson and the team, I'd say, like, I'll go under for eight minutes. Come on, hook me up. <laughs> In my vision would be watching Mitchell and Machines and maybe the Machines start attacking me because I haven't given a high enough score. And Mine I'm, would be Black Bear. Imagine that. Oh, you have a Black Bear coming for you. Well, be, that'd be horrible. <laughs> anyway we're going off into creative weird land again yeah. aren't we anyway fun. what's the new film for this week i have no idea you've got this one haven't I'll you it. uh, it's yeah. cruella cruella oh, yes, that's, right. that's cruella so it is on disney plus emma stone's lead character has got emma thompson in it as well or a live action prequel feature following young cruella deville so that would be interesting because we've seen the 101 dalmatians so a slightly different angle. It's not a remake of like like Mulan was or anything like that. So a slightly different angle on that one, which will be good. It's a comedy crime. And I actually happened to drive past the filming of this on the way to my son's did, football training. Did you? Where was it filmed? Ago, just down the road from us at Englefield Estate. Ah, they were filming it there, were they? They oh, so fantastic. I got stuck in a traffic jam on the way to kids on the way to Noah's football training in the pouring rain hmm. when they were filming all of these cars going into the front gates, you know, all these traditional cars. Yeah, wow. Um, and we had to wait for them to film that scene. Past oh, the you road. should have told me. I would have gone there and stalked the place. <laughs> I would have done a little dressed up in the camouflage gear, commando crawl through just to have keep an eye, you know. Well, I don't, think I, I don't think I knew the film at the time. It was only when I then, 
I don't know, something cropped up or I looked into it. Did I realise that's what it was? Exciting. I think twice I've been on a near film set. Once was Harry Potter and Bracknell Forest they were filming in. And the second time was was last Christmas with Amelia Clark. They were filming down one of the roads and actually had a whole load of lorries lined up and they were putting fake, fake snow on as well. And we used to walk through the square where they filmed that to get to work in London. Oh, that's cool. Were you singing mm. Last Christmas in your head at the same time? No, I wasn't. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't see any of the actors, unfortunately. I think they were filming probably either early in the morning or late at night. Well, it won't be long before we have Shinfield Studios I know, down the road. And who knows, there may be studio tours when that all kicks off. Should be quite exciting. Yeah, yeah, exciting. Anyway, so that's the new film, Cruella. And the next one that we're going to pick out is I've got to pick from your list. So we've had adventure, I think, and we've had horror thriller. I'm going to pick drama. You're going to pick drama. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is the humongous list because, of course, every single film pretty much falls into drama as well as lots of other genres. So, whoa, I have 73. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to choose 61. 61. Uncut Gems. Is that the one that was on Netflix? That's the one that was on Netflix with... Oh, uh, I haven't seen it. With Adam Sandler, of course. Yeah. In a serious, dramatic role. It's, it's by the Safdie brothers, who make these quite intense, heavy dialogue films and this really i actually saw this at the london film festival i'd never been to the london film festival before it was always something i wanted to do this would have been a couple of years ago went to the london film festival watched like three movies in the space of 48 hours and deliberately booked for a surprise film all they tell you is it's going to be a film that will be a critical acclaim that's coming up but obviously not something that you'd know that much about and it was uncut gems and it was just one of those films you watch and go wow what what the hell was you know it was it was quite an impactful film most notably because i've seen punch drunk love which was adam sander in a proper dramatic role albeit quite a neurotic character just as this is quite a neurotic character but i mean he was lauded in this is a great performance i thought and uh, a lot of people thought he should have been up for an oscar all right so yes it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix, exactly. So this is 2019 crime drama thriller directed by Benny and Josh Safdie, starring Adam Sandler and Julia Fox and Tina Menzel. With his debts mounting and angry collectors closing in, a fast-talking New York City jeweler risks everything in hope of staying afloat and alive. Mm. I've looked at it and I wasn't sure about it, but yeah, I um, I'm intrigued. Is it a Marmite film or is no, most people I, say it's good? No, I don't think it's a Marmite film. I suppose just yeah, just go with it. I mean, it, it, it's just a good thriller. It's just as long as you're willing just to not be distracted by. I think Adam Sandler is incredibly convincing in the role. I don't think it's like oh, it's just strange watching Adam Sandler in in the drama mm. because he's just so good in it. It's one of those films that just starts with tension. And it ratchets up and up and up and up. And then every time you think it's going to explode, it doesn't. And then it goes ratchets up again and then goes. It's, it's a bit of a roller coaster ride, but he's, he's a captivating, irritating, <laughs> lovable, funny character. Okay. All those things. Cool. Good. That no, sounds great. So Cruella and Uncut Gems for next time. 
Beautiful. And we're going to have a little break, aren't we? We've got a half term. We are. We're going to have a little break. So it will be a few weeks before you hear our reviews on these. And I can't wait to watch these two films and catch up in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you very much, Rob. Great Alrighty. session. And thanks, listeners. No Bye. Bye. Bye.